Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to These Go to Eleven. Once again, I'm Nathan Bell. Greg Dutch is sitting across from me. Greg, what's going down, man? Uh, just looking at emails coming in from the cussing episode. And uh, so far, so good. I'm just looking Has at it right now. Has anyone dropped us? <laughs> I, I, nobody's dropped us for sure. Anything that gets edgy, I'm just blaming on Steve Hartley. <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny, dude? Uh, we can, I guess, tell people now. We actually recorded that. Remember in March, in March, yeah, because yeah. we uh, thought, you know, we're, you know, we're not always going to be the healthy specimens that we are. <laughs> There's going to be a week one of us is sick or down and out for the count or just traveling or Bloated. busy. But yeah, you know, one of us we ate too many cheesesteaks and are a little extra gaseous or something, and we need to uh, phone out. So we had um, what Steve here back in March said, yeah. hey, why don't we just do sort of another episode, keep it in the archives. Yeah, our substitute episode. Yes, and finally last week we kind of needed it yep. to just uh, put something fresh out there. And uh, sure enough, uh, we've gotten some emails that came in from that, and it's been so long I barely remember what I said. <laughs> so I listened to like five minutes of it, and I thought Steve was the edgiest. Yeah. So um, I would say stevehartland at gmail.com. Um, <laughs> I don't even know that's his email, but you can look him up. Pastor Trinity Church in Joppa, Maryland, and uh, send him all the complaints. That's right. <laughs> but um, That's how we roll around here. Yeah, but we do have to say, dude, remember, we, we, we have gotten people that have told us that the uh, the uh, SOB term, yeah. which I think we said that night was from a King James yeah. version, was actually, some listener told us it was like in a children's Bible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is, like, What? That's even better. I know. Um, I mean, that's just incredible. I, I want to get that to a gift of a nephew or something being <laughs> dedicated or something recently. But um, that was that was fun, man. Yeah, that was that was a good one. And uh, one of those ones, you know, every once in a while we'll do something like that. We're just going to record one of these kind of substitute episodes that are that are really timeless. Like we don't need to put a stamp on it. It's not you know news sensitive or anything yep. like that. So you know, dude, when we, we'll really have arrived is when we go the 70s, 80s sitcom route and uh, we have a best of episode where you just piece together like clips of oh, all the yeah. other episodes and package it as a new one. I, I figured that's all the Reverend King stuff right. that we do. <laughs> that's true, man. That would Hey, that might be a good idea. We'll keep that in mind. There you go. Particularly in light of today. Um, before we get to our guests, just uh, one quick announcement. Actually, we are going to have a giveaway um, at the end of the episode yeah. so just you know stay tuned at the end and we'll you know talk all the specifics about that but uh pop culture ninja we are um full force over there yes. uh, nathan and i just uh blowing it away and we decided really when we started that we were going to do uh just a month of promoting on these go to 11 and yep. the month is up um and so we're kind of just on our own now you know maybe once a month we'll you know just remind people to go check us out yep over at pop culture ninja but um dude we've pushed it out of the nest that's right that's right it's flying and open and air. What's, what's great is because of nathan's um background ha already having had this pop culture set up like we're at 600 twitter followers i saw that man. we've got a couple hundred facebook followers already so um you know we're kind of cruising steadily um having had that base already so dude aren't we like at only 440 yeah <laughs> our twitter is just blowing up hey uh here's a desperate mercy cries uh, cry please follow us on twitter <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'll send you, like, Nathan's toenail clippings or something. So something really edgy, fresh, follow us on Twitter, 
And uh, I want to catch up with Pop Culture Ninja. They're, they're technically the spinoff. Yes. And they're, they're beating us, man. <laughs> but you're on it, so that's good. Yeah. yeah hey, and, and, and the day, if you dudes can ever reel in Stephen King. Oh, we'll have you on, totally. Uh, I, I, I'm hoping for that. There's a, the slimmest of slim chances yes. that King will throw us some pro bono work. I want in on that. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. You know, Nathan and I were talking over there because not only does he is he you know a professional movie critic um he does um receive compensation for the things that he does yeah um he's a part of several different associations this past year he was uh in on the voting for the academy awards and awesome. stuff like that um but he also gets a lot of book reviews yeah so you know a lot of publishers are sending him books so that he can kind of review those and shoot those out there to people and so he's you know He's got a really wide connection and network, so he might want to review a book by see the transition. Oh, oh man! See, this is what happens when you become a professional podcaster. <laughs> You're able to make transitions like that, smooth the silk. So, take it away, Nathan. Yeah. So um, today we have a great guest, Zach Bartles from Gut Check Press. Zach, how are you doing today? I'm spectacular. How are you guys? We're doing great. great. So excited to have you on. Um, I listened to uh, Ted Cluck uh, when he started on Happy Rant and then kind of got into you guys and was listening to you guys. Really have enjoyed what you're doing over there. Um, For our audience, just go ahead and tell us about yourself, friends, family, all that crazy stuff you got going on. All right. No friends. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're friends like Ted. You don't really have any. So got it. (laughs) I'm uh, well, I'm a pastor uh, of a, a very ordinary Baptist church in Lansing, Michigan, um, and I'm also an author. I've got uh, a couple of books out, uh, this is kind of Christian Suspense uh, with uh, HarperCollins Christian Publishing, uh, and then Ted Cluck and I do this thing we call Gut Check Press uh, that we started with a, uh, a book called Kinda Christianity, which was a satire of Brian McLaren's new kind of Christianity. Right. That's great. Uh, or really, I guess it was more just a send-up of the whole emergent movement. You guys remember that? that yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I have nightmares uh, and then, about uh, that then From there, we did yeah. uh, Younger, Restless, or Reformed. Yes, yes. Which was uh, from uh, Young, Restless, Reformed. Uh, and we've done a bunch of other stuff since then. And, uh, yeah, we got the podcast, the Gut Check podcast going, uh, which I was just about to put up today. And uh, while I was kind of uploading it and stuff, I, I start playing the Happy Rant, which Ted is also on. And I was like, again, he talked about all the same stuff. Man. So, <laughs> the trick is to beat them to post it so that we're first with it. Yes, yeah. yes. That's happened to us many, many times. I'm convinced you got a mole there going on. Zach, somebody that is releasing inside information. Uh, hey, on an unrelated note, can you tell us what you guys are going to do like for the next six weeks? Um, <laughs> totally unrelated. Just curious. Tell us off air. We'll... We'll see. <laughs> well, Greg, you mentioned a mole, spy in the system, if you will. Yes. Dude, we've had another hit, another call. I don't know. Because Shive hasn't even been around, man. I we, know. I'm starting to think it's somebody. We're I, bugged. We are. I think these offices are bugged. I mean, I did see a cockroach in here last week. Dude. Seriously. <laughs> cockroach, man. It was well, freaky. You guys, I, I tweeted about being on, on here, so... Ah, ah, there it is. You did tweet it out. That's right. We should have warned him about that because yeah. <laughs> you have uh, you got a bullseye on your chest there, Zach. You have come under the watchful eye of the Reverend James King, um, and I think you've heard him call in before, have you not? I, I have. Yeah, uh, I'm, all right. I'm familiar with his work. Yes, his body of work. 
Well, um, he's got some. Uh, he's left us a voicemail, and with no further ado, yep, here it is. Uh, friends, it's the Reverend James King of the James King King James Bible believing, teaching, preaching ministries. And I know it's been some time since I've called into this outhouse posing as a podcast, <laughs> uh, but that's just because I've been on the front lines doing the Lord's work. That's right, friends. I've got so many little Mexican children at our downtown mission. <laughs> Out on the streets, handing out brochures, urging people to vote for God's favorite warrior, Donald Jonathan Trump. Oh, you see, we, we tell those south of the border little rugrats that if they proudly wear t-shirts that say, I can't wait to build the wall, then the Lord Jesus might be proud of them and one day maybe even take them to heaven. So, so, so needless to say, friends, I've, uh, I've not had much time to check in on these debaucherous fools on this anti-God cast lately, but I could not keep silent today. That's right. See, see every time I think these two losers couldn't sink any lower, they, 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 they find a new uh, a subterranean level in their fly-incested cesspool and invite some absolute fool on to promote his uh, devil-worshipping agenda. <laughs> That's right, friends. They've, they've invited a man on today who makes Judas Iscariot look like the hero of the New Testament. <laughs> His name is Zachary Bartles. Remember that name, friends. See, he's part of an equally vile anti-God cast to these nincompoops over at the These Go to Hell podcast. <laughs> now, this, this one's is called a gut check. And friends, as far as I'm concerned, it should be called gut punch. <laughs> because that's what it'll do to the unsuspecting Christian who, who tunes in thinking they might get some godly wisdom from this program. Friends, all you'll get is a satanic karate chop right into your spiritual solar plexus. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm going to get to this uh, heretic, uh, Zachary, I beg for whiskey at the bar tells in a minute. <laughs> well, see, he has a partner on his gut punch podcast who's as vile as the day is long. And I kid you not, friends, his name says it all. His name, and friends, I'm not even making this up. His name is Ted Cluck. That's right. He he proudly bears the last name that's the sound of a chicken squawk. Well, I've got my eye on you, Mr. Cluck Cluck Chicken. And I know that you've listed in your in your biography that you were you were once a, a professional wrestler. Friends, does it surprise you one bit that a man named Cluck, who's as yellow-bellied a pansy as any 98-pound weakling has ever been, would happily put on tight, stretchy pants and roll around with other men also in tight, stretchy pants? <laughs> well, that's enough on that fool, friends. This other reject who's on the anti-God cast today... Mr. Quackery Bartle, he, he fancies himself some kind of an author. Friends, he wouldn't know who a real godly author is if Hal Lindsey or Jack Chick showed up and bit him right in the shin. <laughs> Friends, see, you, you, you can tell what kind, of a, what kind of a man this fool is by the titles of his demonic books. Friends, he has one called Playing Saint. Playing Saint, he doesn't even make an attempt to hide his phony status as a Bible-believing Christian. <laughs> and then he has a, another novel, friends. It's called The Last Con. Uh, no, friends, this book has uh, one use. 
And that's to keep under your bathroom sink the next time you run out of Charmin or Angel Salt. <laughs> but it is perfectly titled. See, because if you pay one red cent for that pile of slop, you've been conned right out of your God-given money. Oh, but friends, I haven't even gotten to the worst of his Beelzebub books. It seems that he and Mr. Cluck Cluck Chicken have co-authored a book called, and I'm not making this up, friends, it's called The Christian Gentleman's Smoking Companion. Friends, have you ever seen anything so vile, so brazen in your life? They, 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 they proudly catalog all types of Satan sticks and which ones you should rush out to buy to destroy your lungs and your body, which is the temple of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> See, friends, they, they, they just want you to get to uh, high on nicotine so you can start ecstatically singing stupid little praise choruses and run around quoting your NIV Bible. <laughs> oh, but I've got news for you, Mr. Quackery Bartles. Did you know the Lord Jesus has written his own smoking companion guide? That's right. It's called Revelation chapter 20. And it describes how people like you and Mr. Cluck Cluck, you'll be smoking all right. You'll be smoking day and night for all eternity, burning in the lake of fire. Oh, man. oh friends, don't, don't listen to these fools promoting all sorts of devil worship today. Instead, you should come to the King James Tabernacle this weekend. When I'm starting my new sermon series called Cigars and Cigarettes, Satan's Hellfire Igniters. <laughs> Friends, you come to the tabernacle to get the truth and, of course, the sweet love of the Lord Jesus. Amen. <laughs> oh, man. You know, I was actually a little bit impressed that he didn't say Revelations. Yeah, that's <laughs> seems to be kind of a, a standard amongst the, the King James. It, it does. Revelations chapter 20. That's true. He, he, yes, he, you know, he is the Reverend. I think he's the Reverend Dr. James King. That's right. But I, I never knew, uh, Zach, that Revelation 20 was the uh, smoking guy the Lord Jesus wrote. Um, so that was... Uh, all the time, yeah. I know. <laughs> that was that was news to me. Yeah, I'm looking at his Wikipedia page right now, and he did get a doctor of theology from the uh, Seminary of uh, American Samoa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, the same place with a law school that you know uh, endorsed what Saul Goodman. Oh, and, uh, so yeah. Oh, you guys, it's nice to talk to people who catch my reference. Yeah, absolutely, dude. I didn't miss that for a minute, man. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, there it gets. Oh, very good. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so, Zach, um, yeah, getting getting back on track. If we can, you know, do such a thing after that. That's hard. Um, so tell us about um, your you guys. Actually, that's all I really wanted to call in. For. <laughs> <laughs> that that has yeah. become a badge of honor on this show. I was going to say, torn man, apart by the Reverend King. I consider it. One of my life's greatest accomplishments that the, the Reverend King has ripped into me and Nathan, uh, and now you're on that short list, Zach. So um, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I'm going to get together with Joe Thorne and have a cigar and talk about. I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say, dude. Now I, I, I will give this one away, uh, and it'll probably. I don't know if he'll call in for this. He he may or may not, but we're going to have uh, Tim Challies on later in the summer. Yeah. Um, oh. And I, I can't imagine what the Reverend James King would say about a Canadian, but we'll um, we'll now, see. 
<laughs> you need to warn Charlie's ahead of time. He's got to meet some prayer for the guy. <laughs> oh, that's true. Charlie's is going to have to do a a twelve week blogging project, <laughs> preparing your heart for you know criticism and assault. So what people should think yeah. about. <laughs> That's good. So, Tim, I know you're listening. Um, wait, no, maybe no. not. But uh, just in case, we'll, um, we'll we'll prep you to start prepping yourself. Very good. Oh, that's awesome. So funny. Yeah. Uh, so, Zach, um, tell us a little bit about um, the, these two books that you've written. We're going to talk, actually, um, a little more in depth about the um, Christian Gentleman's Smoking Companion because I – enjoy my occasional cigar every once in a couple weeks. Um, and you know, I know, um, we, you know, want to get into that and talk about that because it, even among, um, Christians and, and Christian reform people, there's still kind of this stigma with smoking. So we are going to talk about that, but want to talk about your two, um, fiction books that we have here, Playing Saint and The Last Con. And we're really interested to kind of learn about that process of writing these books because um, I've written um, an unpublished fiction book. Greg has... um, I've made a few forays into fiction writing. And I I don't mind telling you, Zach, that I, I wrote a book. Well, I wrote about 10 chapters of a book with a full outline 10 or 15, well, yeah, 15, maybe even 20 years ago called Fragments. And I let my wife, who is a, a, a really just honest woman, when she compliments me, I know I did well uh, <laughs> because she never gives the courtesy compliment. And um, she read about four or five chapters, and I could tell she was doodling some notes. And you know, and there were a couple of times I thought I might have seen a faint ghost of a smile, you know, on her face. And uh, she finished it and told me that was the worst thing <laughs> she's ever read. Not not like worse. Novel, <laughs> first attempt, she said, that is the most horrendous thing I've ever laid eyes on, and that it should never see the light of day. And, uh, you know, of course, I said, hey, none, uh, none taken. Um, <laughs> it was, so, dude, obviously, you've cranked out two good books. I'd love, I'm not going to lie to the audience, I told Zach beforehand, I've read 11 pages of Playing Saint, and uh, I can say in the first 11 pages, I dig it. And it will it, such a big fan of your work, yeah, Zach. It will it will be my beach reading. I don't go wait till July this year, so I'll I'll, I'll be catching up on it. But um, so yeah, the, Nathan and I have a little bit of experience, and I I find writing fiction. Everybody thinks, hey, I can do it, and very few can pull it off. So we'd love to hear just about the process and how you came to write it, and get a little sense of how you do it. Well, I think you're well on your way because the probably the first and most important step is to just like write some crap. Yes, <laughs> you, know, you have to. You have to write. You know, everyone thinks, oh, I've got one novel in me or something. You know, this one thing, and then they try to write it, and then and then you know, it never comes out as they want. It's like someone who, I mean, if you were going to paint, you wouldn't buy all your paints and your your uh, what do you call stretch the canvas. Mm, yeah, going, yeah. And, and uh, you know, try and paint your masterpiece, and then be done with it. You, know, you, you gotta, you gotta work on it for a while. Um, and so, I've I've written some really bad things, uh, and so I'm. I think that's that's a really important step that most people miss. They don't want to write anything bad, and and you know, you can have fun writing the bad stuff. Sure, mm. uh, it, it, I, it's not bad. But but Ted and I are writing now the sequel to our. Um, 
dispensational thriller. Yes, awesome. Uh, you know, you'd write that kind of stuff that you know it's it's maybe a little bit funny. You're not it doesn't have to be humor, but you know you're, you're not trying to write high art. You're just writing to write to to do it to kind of find your feet. Yeah. Um, and people, I don't think do that. They 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 start their blog. People are still starting blogs in 2016, <laughs> <I know. laughs> and the first thing is like this is some big issue, and I want to have this big discussion. And it's like, dude, just just. Start it and let it start slowly and 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 work at it for a while. Uh, yeah. So I think that's a really important thing. And and so I, uh, you, you can just tell your wife that was that was what you were doing with that. That was your practice game. And that was, you know, although she like, did she practice game, yeah. she she did tell me Zach to stop practicing. <laughs> so I. Um, <laughs> That's like the art teacher in school who's like, yeah, don't don't grow up to become an artist. Right. Yes, yes. I think that it's called Fragments, and it will eternally just be like a book fragment. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, she said Fragments is appropriately named because you, you picture like a torn up manuscript in pieces blowing in the wind over the Pacific Ocean somewhere or something. So, um, in uh, a Chevy Chase movie where he like moved out into the country to write a book. Funny Farm. Yes, that's right. I remember Funny Farm. <laughs> and she was just started crying. Because it was so horrible. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's the perfect scene, man. That 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 captures it. Well, uh, Zach, I, I have to ask this even before we talk about the uh, the two novels, uh, Playing Saint and The Last Con. Um, uh, like when you, when you sat down, say to write uh, Playing Saint, tell us this. I know every writer does it a little bit differently. Do you have the full story in mind? outlined exactly where you want to go do you have a basic idea do you have just the first two or three chapters and it develops as you go just tell us about that yeah no i i definitely am an outliner um i i had a i, I was doing a, a book event with stephen james who's like a really real author yeah like, yes <laughs> very accomplished uh and, and he writes and teaches he writes for writers digest and all this stuff teaches all about about uh, your book, uh, writing your book rather, and and uh, he just started making fun of me for for outlining, huh. and I actually got him to admit that he outlines as well. He just kind of outlines in his head. Gotcha. Uh, uh, um, or rather, scratch that. I do the same thing he does by by writing in my head. Yeah. You know what I, mean? I I don't um, sit down and say, okay, what happens next. I'm yeah. just going to start seeing it and see because I think that would make for bad writing in my case. My mind doesn't work that way. Um, you know, Stephen King, that's what he does. Stephen James, that's what he does. You, you find what's the worst thing that can happen to this character that I just make it happen and then I have to write myself out of that. Yeah. Uh, and he, and even with some of those um, really good authors who are better authors than me, when I read their stuff, once in a while it feels kind of episodic because you can feel – Okay, they wrote themselves into this corner, and then sometimes the way they got the character out or, or moved the story forward from there just feels very reactive and and kind of cheesy. Um, and then after and then after they get done, writers who do this um, writing by the seat of their pants kind of thing will go back through, and you have to make the beginning match the end. You have to tweak things. You have to so essentially you're just doing the outlining after the fact yes mm. and doing the writing in my head before i actually put it down I, I so i i don't actually put anything down even you know in an outline form until i've kind of watched the whole movie a number of times in my mind cool mm. uh, and and with with uh, the last con you see playing saint i wrote before i had even uh, an agent or anything um my wife is also an author and we were both just writing together uh, and so that was done kind of a little more lax, uh, but I got a two book contract 
So I had to write another one. <laughs> wow. Uh, and mine was coming up. And so, and I knew kind of what I wanted to do with it. I just, I was kind of worried that it would, uh, you know, I, that I didn't have a second book uh, ready to go. Yeah. Uh, I wound up actually having a 25,000 word outline. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it included large chunks of dialogue that I just dropped as is into the book and like, uh, you know, all sorts of historical research and stuff. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm definitely way to the side, the kind of nerd side of I know exactly what's going to happen. And I don't think when you read it, if that's done well, you don't feel like, well, this feels outlined. There's no suspense. Yes. No, that, that makes me all the more able to 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 prepare the suspense and and you know actually initiate the suspense because I know what's going to happen and I know how to hold it back in the right way. Then yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, Zach, uh, let me ask you a question real quick. Do you find that um, you you do the same thing when you're preaching as well with your sermons? Hmm. No, you know what's odd is for a a fiction author uh, who's also a preacher, you'd think I preach in a very narrative way. Yeah, I preach very expositionally. Yeah. Uh, Usually, my outline is just like chunks of verses. Like, (laughs) yeah. Because I, I mean, I, I, I don't do the the kind of you know running commentary sermon. I think that's lazy and sloppy. But sure. like, uh, I, I'll have a usually a big idea, the Haddon Robinson kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I'll just kind of walk through the text, um, and then about two thirds of the way through the sermon, I'll have walked through the whole thing, and then I'll kind of unpack it a little more and, and suss it out. Um, but, but no, I, I really kind of everything that comes into my mind or anything I find interesting in my reading or anything I dump into a big file uh, when I preach, then I go through and throw out most of it and go, yeah, that is interesting, but they're not going to care and that's not going to further the message. And right. This would just be to make me look smart. Uh, and, <laughs> and with what's left, I, I try and craft something good. I don't know. Maybe it's because I do it that way that I, I like to write fiction or, or vice versa. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, on, on on the preaching end, Zach, isn't it true? I mean, so much of what you do in preparation, you, you really do see when it's all said and done was was for your benefit. And I think um, the preacher always wrestles with, um, like, let's just call it what it is, maybe wanting to impress the congregation with showing them your math, you know, which is right. very unhelpful. Uh, and normally when you show your math, it just people get lost in it and they miss the you know, how the problem is solved, so to speak. And, uh, but yeah, so, so much, I heard Piper say that years ago and it helped me so much. He said, preaching is uh, lonely, uh, or, or preaching preparation. And I remember, uh, I don't know, it, it just sort of called out to my heart, like, Oh man, I can relate to that. There's stuff you do that never sees the light of day, but I imagine in writing, uh, that happens all the time, doesn't it? Well, not anymore though, man. You, not, now you've got to take like the picture of your table at Starbucks with your books anymore. It's just sad now. Yes. Yes. True. That, that sort of goes along with what I, I think I saw, uh, Stephen Altrogi put on one of his posts one time where he says, I propose a ban of all author photos leaning against a wall, um, <laughs> which has got to be one of my favorite tweets since that is the, that is the definitive author <laughs> profile picture, you know. Like you're just throughout the day leaning on walls. Trogues's uh, picture, though, is just kind of like him, like grinning maniacally. <laughs> 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 the guy holding the camera, like. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's true. That's 
Yeah, that's true. Maybe we need to get Altrogi in a leaned wall pose, you know, just for a, a fresh <laughs> look. Great to kind of trick him into it. Like, uh, could you just lean here a second? Yeah, just <laughs> get a get a green green screen behind him and superimpose the wall in there. I like it, Nathan. You gave you just gave us good field trip ideas. That's right. So, to Florida we come. Um, can 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 you tell uh, our audience, uh, Zach, just about uh, the two novels? Uh, whatever way you want to tease it out so we generate interest and sell thousands of books as a result. <laughs> See, um, the Well, The Playing Saint, uh, that, that one is uh, kind of a... It's been spun as kind of a Christian horror, but it's not. It's, uh, it is about demon possession, but it's also about... The, the main character is kind of this uh, televangelist kind of really white teeth, really shallow kind of guy. Yeah. Um, and the, the background of the story is, uh, and none of this is based on real events or real people. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that he, uh, freaked out on like a flight attendant and, and, uh, wound up with like some, some charges pending. And, and he was afraid that his, uh, house of cards that he was been building his TV program and his book deal and everything was going to come crashing down, uh, because of this, cons- this, uh, controversy. And so, the the police department uh, tells him if you will serve as a kind of expert consultant for this series of of murders that seem occult related, uh, we'll we'll make everything kind of go away. The lady doesn't want to press charges, etc. Uh, but the thing is, he doesn't know anything about the occult or anything like that. So he's kind of faking his way through all this. Yeah, you know, he'll duck into the the bathroom and, and Google something and right. come back. <laughs> it's a great premise. Um, and then slowly, as he's you know. Probably predictably, as he's in the midst of this investigation, uh, two things happen. One is that he he realizes that that he's very unhappy with uh, his life the way it's going and his ministry, uh, and the other is that he realizes that that he's more at the center of this series of murders and everything than than he had thought. Um, and I I think it's a pretty exciting one. It it uh, it got nominated for a few awards and hmm. and that sort of thing. Um, it didn't sell uh, as, as great as I had hoped because the debut novels are almost impossible to to sell. Yeah, mm. uh, people want to buy names they know, um, and the the cover of it, um, which I thought was kind of awesome. Yeah, uh, it's black with blood dripping down it. Yeah, we're looking uh, at it right here. I love it. Well, then you you know remember that ninety uh, percent of people who purchase and, and read Christian fiction are you know middle aged women. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You never know, um, yeah, and and uh, so that that's that one, um, and that one's uh, set in Grand Rapids, Michigan, which is where I lived for about ten years, uh, which is kind of a, a midwestern reformed mecca. Yeah, uh, I thought it was kind of a cool place to set it. And then the other one uh, is in Detroit, um, and, and uh, it's called The Last Con, and it's it's about simultaneously this guy who's been a con man and uh, a thief. Uh, and he's gone to prison, and there he found Jesus, and then he come back out, and, and as he comes back out, he says, you know, maybe I didn't really find Jesus. Maybe I was kind of conning myself, conning the parole board. I'm not sure if this is real. Um, and he goes on a missions trip to the inner city. I don't know if you've ever done that, but I have. I used mm-hmm. to be a youth pastor. Uh, and I drew on a lot of that kind of stuff. Uh, and he goes on this missions trip to, to inner city Detroit, uh, and while he's there, his old crew – uh, finds him and kind of twists his arm into doing another job, uh, and he gets pulled back into this life of uh, you know heists and and grifting and um, and at the same time there's these flashbacks uh, to 18th century France and you see that this kind of conspiracy and both of these books have uh, 
kind of conspiracy and relics all woven into them. Yes. And, and both of them pair uh, the, the clerical collar and the handgun quite a bit. Yeah, you've got uh, priests from secret orders who uh, who are packing heat and uh, dangerous guys. And, and I, I don't know why. I think that's kind of the thing that you do if you're uh, nerdy – uh, Baptist pastor, and you want your life to seem exciting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. A hero. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, would you say there's a, a sort of a uh, uh, Dan Brown uh, pathos there in, in some sort? You know, when I obviously think of the sort of conspiracy, uh, you know, secret orders and religious ranks and that sort of thing. Well, I've never read a book by Dan Brown, uh, so I couldn't say, but that has been something people have said. People have yeah. said, okay, interesting, interesting. Yeah, I I read the, uh, what was it, the the super controversial one on the... Da Vinci Code? The, yeah, yeah, only because, you know... It was I, super controversial. Yeah, it was super <laughs> controversial, and I felt at that point I needed to do what every pastor in America did, which is do a 12-part, you know, sermon right, series, right. which ends up promoting the book, and, and more and more people buy it. <laughs> well, I just read Tim Challey's 12-part... <laughs> That's a, normally you could just do that. That one I actually read, um, and uh, I, I don't know. I wasn't even all that taken by it, but uh, yeah. And then Tom I Hanks. saw the movie on that. Now that I think about it, yeah. And I remember like there was supposed to be this big reveal, and like I saw the Last Temptation of Christ, waiting for that moment too, and never found it. Like okay, that was whatever, right? Uh, and I think the deal was that that Jesus had a, a kid. Yes. Alert. Yeah. Yep. That was supposed to be the thing that freaked everyone out. And I was like, well, who would care if he did? I mean, right, right. Yeah, that was the um, yeah, that was the big kind of sexy thing at the end, which, you know, got uh, uh, everybody. been out. And that stuff's been out there for centuries. Right. You know, the, right. Yeah. The old heresies repackaged as fancy new ideas. That's so popular. right a- now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And why don't Tom Hanks have a mullet? In <laughs> I know. I, know. Yeah. I think that was everyone's biggest complaint about that movie. Forget like the whole controversy. I, I think know. It was Tom Hanks with a mullet. Tom Hanks in a mullet. This is like the two thousands. Yeah. Man. This, I mean, this is that's, this is that's blasphemy right there. That I mean. <laughs> is. I mean, if it was big, we could live with it or something. But you know, I mean, you you can't be pulling out that mullet yeah i used to have a mullet zach 80s right i know i know man that's that's going way back there um but uh uh, very good so uh just out of curiosity do you have another book in the works or in your mind obviously i know you're working on the one with ted which is the more fun side the dispensational thriller uh can i tell you about that a minute yeah Yeah, please please do want to drop this teaser in there is a, a medication that factors greatly into the sequel to re-raptured which is which is tentatively called re-raptured again yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, the medication is called ultra jest ultra jest <laughs> what it does is it uh it takes the regular nine month period uh of gestation for humans and it reduces it to six weeks <laughs> <laughs> oh dude that's fantastic that uh, is on uh, a couple things. What, one thing, uh, the first thing that I put out on Gut Check uh, was was kind of a um, action suspense thriller type thing. We took the story of uh, Elijah and uh, I, I want to say reinvented it as as kind of a modern day slash fantasy utopian dystopian rather um, kind of really gritty Mad Maxy type thing yeah. with a lot of cigarettes and gun fights and car chases. Um, and you know how I said you have to write a book before you're ready to write a book and just kind of, you know, write it and know that it'll suck. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
that's kind of what I did with that. Uh, it was called 42 Months Dry. And there's actually a number of people who, who still tell me they love it and it's you know their favorite book and stuff. And I'm like, I don't know why it would be because it's kind of bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unpublished that. That's the beauty of you know anything involving you know indie publishing, uh, print on demand, all this stuff. You can just pull it, and I have. Uh, and I'm kind of reworking that. Uh, and uh, that that's something that I've got a tentative uh, deal with a kind of newish. Um, lean and mean publisher that's looking at doing some some more edgy stuff sweet yeah i'm pretty excited about that and i've got a book that uh, speaking of trogues uh i've got a, a quote-unquote non-fiction book that i'm that i'm very slowly working on called out of sardis uh it's up on the blazing right now so oh, so trogues itself is like my publisher in this case yeah uh and and it's about uh the in the book of revelations you guys know that? Right. One? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, not chapter 20, but uh, in those first few chapters where Jesus is, is uh, dictating his letters uh, to, to St. John, um, there's you know the church in Sardis who looks alive and has a reputation for being alive but is actually dead. Yes. Uh, and it's kind of a semi-memoir, semi-theological uh, look at pastoring a church – that doesn't have this huge reputation and branding and you know all this buzz and all the stuff that people want and multi sites, but it's just just a regular church. Um, and how I find myself kind of, even though the church at large sees the Church of Laodicea as the the villain because Jesus has nothing good to say about it, they somehow see the Church at Sardis as a hero, even though Jesus has nothing good to say about it either. Yeah, uh, and, and kind of my my temptations and and. Uh, my my struggles with not going down that road, not trying to find the silver bullet, or not trying to work real hard on the outward, you know, the outside of the cup, the uh, the reputation for life, and instead actually just returning to the first love and, and doing the the work of the the preacher. Um, so that's something I got going on, and then I've got two different books that are floating around to different uh, publishers. Uh, and have been rejected by a few. So it's a weird time for me. Wow, Zach, that is that's well, that's that's a perfect uh, transition. We did want to ask you about uh, the other book you co-authored. I know Nathan, you want to hit him up on the smoking guy mm-hmm. uh, and talk about your Satan sticks, but we'll um, <laughs> we'll get to that. Hallelujah, in, <laughs> glory. Uh, we want to get to that in a bit, but wanted to ask you. You also wrote for the potential author. Uh, or anybody that's interested in checking out how to get published, the Gut Check Guide to Publishing, um, yes. which is hilarious, and, and we've looked through that. But, um, I mean, publishing is very different than it was 20 years ago, no doubt, if you were a Christian that wanted to write a novel or or wanted to write a nonfiction work. Uh, just talk to us about that, Zach, like uh, why you wrote it, what you guys were hoping to do, and a little bit of the guidance you give. Well, Ted and I had – he now lives in Tennessee because he sucks. Yeah. But, <laughs> oh, didn't suck. He lived here in, in the uh, capital city with me in, in, up here in Michigan. And uh, we would do a number of uh, talks at writing conferences, uh, publishing conferences, book fairs, this kind of thing. Uh, and we usually would talk about uh, – it, w- it was a little bit – back then, it isn't anymore, but back then it was a little bit unique. That that doesn't even make sense. It can't, a little bit of a singularity. It was yeah. – <laughs> uh, a little bit unusual that we were um, both published traditionally with you know the big six publisher, and we did this indie thing. You know, usually you find people going one route or the other. Sure. 
Uh, and a lot of times uh, people try the one and, and don't succeed right away and then just flip to the other. Uh, and so we've been doing talks on um, you know these two worlds and, and how to bring them together and how to use them both uh, in the right way. Uh, and we realized we had so much content, it did, made no sense not to uh, compile that into a book and put it out. Uh, and I think it's some of the best stuff we've written. It's really funny. Yeah. Um, you know, in the in the smoking companion, we have these breakout th- sections called uh, um, "Great Moments in Film and, and Yes, yes, torture If you replace a main character with James Suckling, yeah, uh, which most people say is their favorite part of the book. And so, with we want to do some funny stuff like that too. So, with the uh, Gut Check Guide to Publishing, uh, there's there's a, a character we created called Smug Veteran Editor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You see, smug editor and editor just can't turn off his slash her editing and is constantly editing, you know, like scenarios in life or or classic pieces of literature and things. Oh, it, I, I think Ted most wrote ninety nine percent of that. I think that was so funny. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that book. I think anyone who thinks they might want to write a, a book uh, or has written one and they don't know if they want to start querying agents or how to do that or if they should just put this out on Smashwords or what, that's definitely one to pick up. Yeah, it's available at this quaint little uh, mom and pop bookstore uh, called uh, Amazon dot com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this is called Barnes and Noble dot com. Yes, yes, and that. Um, I mean, I will say, yeah, I, I've done a little bit of writing as well, Zach, and I, uh, I mean, two very small publishing houses uh, that that did my books, and I mean, even then, I mean, the the uh, thing I kept hearing about was platform, platform, platform. And I was like, yeah, I, I don't have a platform. Uh, I, I pastor a, uh, a you know, pretty small to medium-sized church, and that's it. That's my platform. So well, now you've got podcasts, so you should resubmit all this stuff to bigger publishers. That's right, man. Now that we've got the multitudes yeah. that are back in call. But, uh, I mean, what, what, what are your thoughts? Because I actually have a, a, a new book project that is beginning to take form. And I'm looking at going down the self-publishing uh, uh, route here. So, just uh, talk to us about that. What? Uh, well, what? I, yeah, yeah. What do you think are the pros and cons of that? <laughs> uh, well, I think you ought to get a hold of a book called uh, Mega, subtitled "Get Noticed All the Time for Everything." Yes, by Chaz Marriott. By Chaz Marriott, he will tell you everything you need to know and make all of your wildest dreams come true. <laughs> yes. <laughs> platform yes. uh, actually i mean it's it's one of those things where it, it's it's so weird to just mock this thing and then be doing it as well <laughs> uh, it's, it's just a necessity it's just so stupid that that being an author now means you know you go to um a writing conference and literally 75 percent of it is about like building your blog audience and, and tweeting at the right times of day so you get maximum impact and and hardly any of it's even about writing anymore you i know, know. The disappeared and uh and, and none of this works none of it does any good yeah like i have uh uh 800 and some twitter followers and i don't feel like a a huge uh panic to build a whole bunch more because i find that most of the reader interaction that i have is still just regular old people emailing me yeah um and and you know you don't need to do all this you know you just your books are out there they find your website they click you know contact and then you can have a nice conversation and you know I went through a period where I really tried really hard to build my my Twitter following yeah. and did a fairly good job in a in a fairly short period and you know what 
eighty percent of the people that I got. Uh, first of all, ten percent are robots. Right, right. Yes. You don't need robots in your life. <laughs> robots are everywhere, and they eat old people's medicines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Waterson, Saturday Night Live. I love it. Yes, <laughs> you all my references. Yeah, hands, you just can't get away. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like eighty percent, you know what? They're they're all authors, mostly self published authors that are trying to promote their own stuff. Right. They follow people in order to get followed back, and then I'm following people in order to get followed back. And as soon as – if you don't get followed back, you unfollow them. And like it doesn't help. They're not going to buy my books. Right. I'm not going to buy their books. We're not helping each other at all. We're trying to use each other, which is I would say a horribly unchristian thing to do to begin with. Right. It's it, it just makes me feel dirty the whole thing, and I, I barely do it. But then again, I'm not you know calling in as – uh, you know Frank Peretti with you know 16 million copies sold. So maybe I ought to be doing it, and I'm just being kind of grumpy about it. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, but I love what you said. You guys have, um, I mean, you've got the whole gamut covered. I mean, with you and Ted uh, in in the uh, you know the the mediums through which you've gotten your books out. Um, so that's a great great book. And um, you know, when we get to our promo at the end, Nathan, we can cover all these a little bit so people can make their choice. That's right. Yep. Yeah. So um, getting into the Christian gentleman's smoking companion, first of all, I just, I want to ask you um, about the writing process with this because you co-wrote this with Ted Cluck, um, which I, I would assume would have to be very different than when you're writing something on your own. Can you talk to us a little bit about that co co-authoring a book with someone? Right. Well, I've, I mean, I've only ever co-authored books with Ted, and I've, I've co-authored several, uh, and it just basically looks like us laughing really hard. <laughs> yeah. And I think we wrote 90% of The Smoking Companion in uh, Timothy's Fine C- uh, Cigars, which is a smoking lounge. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and that was just, you know, pull out the computer, and, and w- one of us would type while we both laughed and talked. Uh, and it basically just having the conversations we normally would, but then transcribing them. Yeah. So <laughs> it's funny to me with, with, you know, traditional publishing, you write a book. I wrote playing sane in 2012, mm-hmm. almost just as it is now got mm-hmm. a, uh, late 2012, got an agent 2013. It was pitched, got picked up. Uh, they got the manuscript in September. No, August of 2013. The book came out in uh, October of 2014. Hmm. Yeah. So that means that you know, I mean, years go by. Yeah. Whereas with this other thing, we we type this stuff out. Uh, I stuff it into a Word document, and and then and then we put it into some layout software and sketch a couple funny little pictures. And literally, like three weeks later, we've got a book in hand. <laughs> it's incredible. And it had some errors in it, but the beautiful thing is I found them very quickly, and people pointed a couple of them out, and then you know, all, all of a sudden it doesn't have the errors anymore because you fix it. Right. Uh, you can update it, and so then, then the ones with the errors become the uh, collector's items. Yeah. That's- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's so great. So let me um, let me ask you because um, the reason why I enjoyed this book so much was not only is it is it great. I mean, you, your personality, your humor, your satire totally comes through in this book. But also, there's there's some really good information in here. And um, uh, if you can just give like a brief synopsis of the book, like who who are you writing this to? Who are you writing this for? Fellow Baptist pastors. That's right. It's written for people who 
Well, here's the thing. It's such a niche audience. It's written for, for people who <laughs> who are uh, cigar uh, smokers or want to be uh, and are also probably semi-reformed or Calvinist-leaning, so they'll get most of the jokes. Yes. Uh, and and kind of want to class up their smoking because they, they don't quite know what they're doing um, you know, they don't know quite know what what to get out of the humidor, you know, or how to how to cut it, or, or that kind of thing. Um, and mostly, you know, people with a snarky sense of humor who want to laugh. Which sounds like, you know, the Venn diagram of that would be they overlap at like six people. Yeah. But <laughs> way more copies of that, and and collectively made more money. Uh, no, that's not true. But we saw way more copies of that than I have. With any uh, of the traditional stuff I've done. Wow. Which, yeah. yeah, it blows my mind that that many people would be into that niche of a niche kind of book. And, and you know, it, I think we just had the perfect uh, just fairy dust. You know, you can't quite quantify all these things uh, that go into a book being successful. But uh, we got – right when it, when it came out, we got an email from Steve Brown. Yeah. Um, said, uh, you, you two have ruined my morning uh, quiet time, my devotions. Because I had this in the mail, and I, instead of doing my devotion, <laughs> I thought, well, if we can just, you know, one one famous Presbyterian uh, personality can can have his, his devotional life wrecked by it, then it's all worthwhile. That is good, man. <laughs> it, 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 he's the perfect guy to wreck, man, because he'll just fall back on grace. And it's, um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's all good, man. That's... Uh, that's awesome. We, um, yeah, Nathan has been reading this and has been talking. About, I mean, I will say, dude, I'm the guy. I've been to a couple of those places two or three times, and, and I got to tell you, I get the Weenie Awards. Zach, first time I smoked a uh, cigar, I was about 21. I think it was like in my last year of college, and uh, I mean, I had no clue what I was doing. So I, I literally made myself throw up uh, in a bush <laughs> on my friend's lap because I, for some reason, I thought the I, the art of smoking a good quality cigar was to suck it like an exhaust pipe um not that you suck an exhaust pipe but i did for like a, a solid minute i just thought you're supposed to take in as much dude i immediately vomited um and i mean the, the guys i was with have teased me about that now for 20 plus years so uh i finally went back to it a couple of uh summers ago my brother-in-law had a, a rum soaked cigar and i tried that and he gave me a he says yeah you know, don't suck it for like two minutes straight just <laughs> Take you know, just take a little bit here, and I I got through it, and it was good. So that's that's my great exposure. I have heard guys in some of these, like you know, the Main Street Cigar mm-hmm. Shop where we are, Nathan. That um, <clears throat> like I'm thinking, is this real? Like they're saying things like, yeah, at the end here, it gets a little uh, leathery um, and uh, peppery and stuff. And I'm like, is that like a real thing? People talk like that when they smoke cigars. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just like reviews of wines. You know, there's like a hint of you know nail polish removal (laughs) (laughs) although once in a while you do have i mean a good cigar really should mature as you smoke it like a crap cigar short fill cigar is going to is just going to get bad near the end yeah a a quality cigar is going to uh is going to taste better and better uh and you're not going to want to stop until you like burn your lips yeah and (laughs) it does change it it, and it will have uh, you know a certain uh taste profiles will come out um, talking about it makes you sound like uh, I, I probably can't say douche on this. Prop. You, you sure can. You can. <laughs> you can. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Yes. It makes you sound like a bit of a douche, but uh, yeah. uh, I, I can't deny that there is. I mean, there, there is a nice kind of aesthetic experience 
uh, kind of exercise to smoking a cigar, especially mm. by yourself. If you're with yeah. another guy, uh, the cigar becomes the excuse for two guys to sit there and talk about stuff without you know it being, it being weird. But if you're by yourself and you're just focusing on it, uh, Jared C. Wilson had a great article about uh, – how how you smoke to the glory of God, which smoking to the glory of God was a, a Spurgeon quote, mm-hmm. um, and he had like ten things, and one of them was like just about focusing on the taste, the texture, the whole like like it's it's a great way to sort of reboot your brain so that you're not thinking about what's happening with ones and zeros in this stupid little rectangle in your pocket. Yes, but instead you're thinking about you know you're here right now and you're experiencing this thing. Uh, and you can refocus on it. And I, for me, it's it's vital. I mean, yeah. I, not vital in the sense that I couldn't quit. I, I often will go, you know, three weeks or a month and a half without a cigar, and I don't crave crave the thing. But when when I have the opportunity to do that, especially if I you know go and I take a bike ride and I bring a cigar with me, sit down at a picnic table, open up my Bible, light the cigar. It's it's just a great gift from God to be able to just kind of remember. Um, that that you have all these tastes and sights and sounds and you know the the glowing of the the embers in your hand and the the graying of the ash it's it's a great uh, it's a great way to just reconnect with the world I think yeah, yeah. no I sound like a douche anyway don't no me. dude dude it's funny because as you're sitting here talking like I'm salivating like oh man I've got the I'm 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 going home and I'm lighting up I oh, mean, man I'm just uh, you know and it's funny because you mentioned you know two guys getting together that's the one thing that I've always loved about cigar smoking yep. is you have a good two or three hours where where you can't go anywhere else you can't do anything else other than just sit there and so I've had some of the greatest theological conversations life yeah. conversations real conversations with people over uh you know a glass of scotch and a cigar and just not going anywhere and i find you know that element of of drinking really helps as well because you're you're you know i mean people laugh and joke about these things but like no somebody's inhibitions are lower their guard is lower so you really get deep with people and you're really able to you know do life together well you know i know that's yeah. something that ted has uh laughed at before doing life together um but also known as living that's yeah. right um but you're <laughs> i like doing podcasts with you guys it's really nice yeah i do too yes so much so do. yeah we just want to do podcasts that's well right. with people that's um, but you know i mean seriously where where else and in what other situation do do guys tend to get together and talk I mean, you get you have like these Billy, and I'm not knocking this. I think it's a cool idea, and I might try it sometime. But you have like the Billy Graham thing where everyone comes over for the Super Bowl. Yeah. What is everyone doing? They might be chatting, but mostly they're slack jawed watching a television. Right. Uh, and if they're talking, they're talking about what's on the television. Yeah. At halftime, you quick like cram in the Jesus thing, and it's very programmed, and it's so forced, and it's probably super awkward. Whereas if five guys get together for a cigar. The conversation's not limited to any particular topic. People do tend to get yeah, I've I've really noticed people tend to get vulnerable in you know, there's there's something about there's something primal and just manly about it. Yeah. And you can say something about your feeling and the fact that you've got this you're you're controlling fire at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> that you're not worried that, you know, I shouldn't say that. You just you just make with it. You say what's in your heart. Uh, and and I've I've been very I, I'm careful as a pastor not to introduce people who don't smoke cigars to it because you know it may may not be for them and then you know they'll get lip cancer and it'll be my fault and then I'll have to <laughs> yeah. you know, 
<laughs> but if they already do, I've I've found it to be a, a huge help. Yeah, uh, I, I gotta say, man, we're, we're pushing. We we just did one on cussing. Now we're talking drinking scotch, smoking. Cigar. <laughs> R- reminds me of the famous quote that I wanted to get on that one from Milton Dutcher, man, very dear to me. Son, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't cuss. Damn it, I left my cigarettes at the bar. So I just, <laughs> I, I wanted to get that one out there and uh, to make last week's a little more controversial. That's right. So we, we, we squeezed it in. What it's all about. Yeah, That's <laughs> we right. squeezed it in. Hey, I know what I want to ask you, Zach. I know we're, we're winding down here on time, but got to ask you, uh, okay, in all seriousness, Baptist pastor, um, you know, that's writing fiction stuff, which is awesome. Uh, <laughs> co-writing a book with Ted on smoking and you know cigars and that sort of thing. Uh, has that ever gotten you in any trouble, or are you just the truly coolest Baptist pastor I've ever met? Well, it's actually neither. Man, yeah, like like uh, yeah, Joe Thorne is cool, and that's how he can be a Baptist pastor and also uh, smoke cigars and, and all this stuff. Yes, but, uh, I yeah, I expected. To, to actually make the great sacrifice of giving up my cigars, which, of course, the whole – people who talk about liberty, Christian liberty, uh, from the point of view of I have to be allowed to do this don't understand Christian liberty at all. Yeah. Like, the whole point is you have to be willing to not do it even if you have the right to do it. Right. Um, and when I got to my church, I said uh, – I sat down – back then we had a pastoral relations committee. Oh, yeah. And I said to them – uh, it just in passing, I mentioned, you know, it's like how I used to smoke cigars, and I don't anymore because I'm a pastor here, and and uh, I want to be above reproach and everything. And and uh, one of the the women on the committee said, you know, I really want you to start smoking cigars again. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, and I said, okay. And uh, my wife bought me a new humidor for Father's Day that year, or, wow. or, or something. And then uh, I was uh, back in, uh, <laughs> and uh, maybe maybe that was a bad thing, but. Uh, it's it's really my, my church is very chill uh and you know there's it's one of those things where they don't even have an opinion one way or the other yeah, uh, yeah. so i almost introduce the idea of some of these things being um these manufactured sins in order to knock those things down in order to show why they're not you know um, right right there's no there's no semblance of there's no there's no relic left over of fundamentalism in my church because i don't think it was ever really there yeah uh, but but that i mean we have our own issues as any church does but but that's one thing that i've been really blessed i've i've never uh, wanted to do something where i thought if i do this the church is going to find out and and it's going to be a hassle so i better not um, I'd have to do something that no Christian would want to do before my church would ask. Wow. <laughs> or scratch, cool. what? Here's something odd. I'm going down with Cliff Graham. You guys know who Cliff Graham is? No. You, um, you should. Oh, I'm going to revoke your man card temporarily. <laughs> man. Here, Google him really quick, Nathan, then we'll edit it back in and say, of course. Yeah. After you read 11 pages of my book, read 11 right. pages. <laughs> <laughs> Cliff Graham's a New York best, uh, New York Times bestselling author, um, and he does these uh Biblical war epics. He wrote a book called Day of War. Okay. And it's about David's mighty men, and they're just bloody. They're like Braveheart in a book about biblical battles. Awesome. Uh, they're amazing. But he, he leads these things going down to uh, South America and Central America uh, where they do these sting things and they free sex slaves hmm. uh, that are like up for sale and they cooperate with the local police and you pose as like the people who want to buy them. And then the police come rushing in once money changes hands and arrest everybody. Wow. 
and then you do it again, and then they arrest everybody, and then um, and they arrest you too, but then they just you know let you go and you do it again. Uh, and 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 my church has been a little bit weird about that. Like everybody's been like, no, don't don't do that, okay, pastor, just don't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, at some point, do I have to like not do that, or do they have to vote for me to not do that, or am I doing it no matter what because it seems the right thing to do? I don't know. Yeah. Wow. No, I'm totally checking out. Sorry, Zach. I'm going to put your book on the back burner, man. Go over it. No. <laughs> the first time that uh, Cliff had, had kind of reader jacked me. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's so great, Zach. We are um, rapidly uh, approaching our out of time mark. Unfortunately, um, there's so many more things I wanted to talk to you about um, with. Uh, smoking in your book, um, I really did um, thoroughly enjoy it, and just not only the content that was in there from you know the cigar types and sizes and how to light it, how to cut all that stuff, to uh, the humor in it is just so great as well, and uh, totally recommend it to um, my smoking and even non-smoking friends out there, um, just as you know a, a great book, a great work satire, um, all that stuff in there. So thank you so much for joining us. No problem, man. It's been great fun. We're going to go ahead and sign off now. Greg, Zach, we just rocked the Casbah. Ladies and gentlemen, you just finished listening to Zach Bartles uh, from Gut Check Press, uh, co-author with Ted Cluck on The Christian Gentleman's Smoking Companion, as well as The Gut Check Guide to Publishing. And then he's written two on his own that we are um, promoting today, Playing Saint and The Last Con. Um, now, he's written several other books, Greg, and you can go on to um, Gut Check and check those out. Uh, I mean, I'd suggest... You know, our listeners go over there anyway Absolutely. and listen to these guys and check them out if they um, don't already because uh, just such um, s- such a uh, kindred spirit with them and, yeah. and what they're doing over there and uh, so thankful for the ministry that they have going on. So, um, But we want to give away two copies of these books. Two copies. Uh, listener's choice. Yes. So you will decide um, out of the four books that I listed, and I'll list them again, uh, which one that you would like. And we're going to just push the iTunes reviews again. Yep. Um, you know, we took a few weeks off. Again, we have a goal. We want to get a, to 100 reviews by the end of the year. Um, and so, you know, we're at, was it? Uh, we've got uh, 95 total reviews, but we're really looking for the written reviews. I think we're up to like 85, 86. So we're, yeah. getting, we're getting pretty close. Yeah. yeah. We're, so we're, it's, we're, we're getting pretty close. It's yeah. getting up there. Um, so, you know, we just want to encourage uh, more written reviews out there. Um, so our goal, again, hundred. Um, so you have your choice, uh, Playing Saint, The Last Con. Again, both of those were exclusively written by uh, Zach Bartles. And then The Gut Check Guide to Publishing was written by both Zach Bartles and Ted Cluck, as well as The Christian Gentleman's Smoking Companion, uh, which was my personal favorite. So, um, yeah, we're going to put those out there. Please write us a review. And next week, we will go ahead and make an announcement of the winner, and we will... Get that off to you. Absolutely. And if somebody, for good measure, Nathan, wants one of our uh, sets of toenail clippings, we'll throw that in. <laughs> yes, you can have an authentic. It's sort of like touching. That, you know, that's right. Zach's book is the relics. And that's right. Sort of a, a, a Disco 211 relic. That's right. I wonder if we could do something big for when I decide to cut my hair. Like, we'll send oh. you, you know, the, 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 the locks of my hair. Forget and, that, dude. I'm planning on using them. 
Um, I'm using them. I'm going to take them to my uh, my hair guy and see if he can sort of graft them in. <laughs> there you go. Going to teach on Romans, being grafted back in, and have a visual illustration there. No, we won't do that. But we are excited to give out these books, man. So That's again, right. whichever one you want, uh, again, we'll pick from the iTunes reviews next week. Yep. Uh, again, just a quick word on that. If you've never done it before, I wish iTunes had a little status bar that comes up and says, "Hey, your review will post." They don't. Yeah. So when I've done them before, you know, you you enter them and they kind of disappear and you're like did it go through yeah usually within 24 hours it's posted it's up because i think itunes has some review process make sure you're not saying all kinds of profane things um yeah please make sure that when you when you do write a review this week don't wait till monday to write it because it may not post by uh the time we do the drawing on tuesday so try to try to get your review in by sunday so that way we can um we can see all those and plug them into our random generator for the contest Definitely. All right. We're going to go ahead and sign off now. See ya. These go to 11.